Welcome back to another episode of Inside Illini Football. I'm News Gazette Sports Editor Matt Daniels. Pleased to be joined by sleepy beat writer Scott Ritchie. Just let out a mammoth yawn before we recorded this on a Thursday afternoon where the sun's out. It's a beautiful day in Champaign, by the way. Yeah, just figured I'd get that out of the way before the recording started. Before dive right into this, I think this is episode 33 of our podcast. Okay, I think I've done five of these total, so... Okay, Scott's got a very... He's got a good memory. Just ask him any nickname of any Division One athletic program. Yeah, useless facts <laughs> swimming around in my brain. <laughs> uh, well, we'll hopefully fill your brain with a lot of useful facts in this podcast. Uh, Brett Bielema conducted his weekly Zoom call with... Uh, Reporters about an hour ago, the biggest uh, news coming out of that, although it's not really a surprise, but uh, Art Sikowski is going to make his second start for the Illini on Saturday when they play at Virginia. First road game of the Brett Bielema era kicks off at 10 a.m., so either get your brunch plans ready, have a late breakfast, have a second breakfast, uh, whatever you want to do before uh, Saturday morning, mid-morning kickoff. It's the first game on Saturday. Uh, earliest start time, I think, ever in Illinois football history. Yeah, I think the only 11 a.m. Eastern time start on the ACC network ever. Uh, speaking of which, like, start looking through your TV guide <laughs> now. I Don't worry. I've got a column coming in Friday's News Gazette about all the... The problems that the ACC network may cause you on Saturday. Unfortunately, if you're an Xfinity subscriber, which is, well, I would imagine, a fair majority of people that still have cable television, I do. Do you, Scott? I do. Okay. ACC network is not available on Xfinity, so don't try to search through the channels. Don't call your cable company. Don't get mad at your spouse. Don't call me complaining about <laughs> the game not... Save the important one for last day. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the thing is, just go old school with it. Listen to Brian Barnhart. There you go. Martin O'Donnell there on you go. DWS. They'll be making the trip. So will Ed Bond, our veteran producer here that's going to pay attention to every single word we say here, Scott. Before They're making their first... I know, they went to, I know you guys went to Wisconsin last year for the opener, but this is your first flight. Scott's going to be flying too, just not with the team. Yeah, that they don't allow me on the plane. <laughs> Not for anything I've done, but I think just rules of some sort. I don't know. But yeah, first flight for me since uh, the Red Box Bowl in December 2019. Uh, R.I.P. Red, Red Box Bowl. Sack. I was just going to get to that. Uh, which is, you know, they canceled it for this year after canceling it for last year. Mm-hmm, and, because of the pandemic. Uh, I don't think it's coming back. Yeah, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, I don't know how many named different names that bowl underwent in its time out in the bay area or like number of stadiums it was played in at least two stadiums because they used to play that game at the uh, giants ballpark there 18t or now it's oracle park yeah and they moved to they go to candlestick for a while no it's out and then it went to levi's straight to levi's yeah we're the home of the 49 in santa clara Man, we're just, I didn't think in the first five minutes or so we'd be talking about all these very topics. thought we'd be focused in on Art Sikowski and what he has to do to get Illinois to 2-1 and one on Saturday against Virginia. So, what does he have to do, Scott? That's kind of a loaded question. That's um, what we ask. I mean, really, it's more about what 
I think will be done around him. It's important for Illinois um, in its first road game of the season. And you know, while you know Chase Brown is scheduled to return after barely playing against Nebraska, being held out against UTSA, um, the Illinois run game, regardless of which running backs they have, and they haven't had all that they've wanted, certainly, um, in the first two games, but has to be better. And not only does the run game have to be better from the running backs, but also from the offensive line, who, I mean, kind of surprisingly, considering how veteran of a group that is, just how much experience they have, got very little push against UTSA. Um, and the Virginia run defense is going to be better. Um, they finished top, what, top 40 last year in run defense, Virginia did. Now, you know, you can look at what they did in their opening game against William & Mary. Small sample size. To, and take it with a grain of salt because that's an FCS program. Coached by the former Virginia coach, Mike London, by the way. Well, he didn't have much luck in that's his true. return. Didn't have much home. luck first time coaching <laughs> no. Scott Stadium. I mean, there's a reason he's at William & Mary. Uh, but William & Mary rushed for 94 yards. Uh, on on one play is what you're saying? No. On, the whole game? On 37 Ooh. attempts. So All right. Two and a half per. Okay. And Illinois will probably be a little better. You would imagine their combination of offensive line running backs would be better than an FCS programs. But they, they have to be because, you know, Art Sikowski, while, you know, he led Illinois on two fairly impressive drives, I suppose. Um, late against UTSA, got a field goal on one, almost had the potential tying touchdown on the last and threw the ball considerable, a considerable amount of times in those drives. I don't think that's, like, the goal of the Illinois offense. Um, so the run game has to be better. And you know, Art has been moderately efficient um more so in the op- his in the opener than against utsa but if he can just manage things the run game gets going a little better i think that's probably illinois best hope brandon peters will travel to charlottesville uh not on scott ritchie's flight but on the team flight uh don't know if he'll play or not uh, that's to be determined. Uh, Bet Breelum also said earlier today, too, that uh, on the injury front that Mike Epstein will be out against Virginia. So we just talk about the running backs. That uh, affects the depth of the running backs. But you expect Chase Brown back, Chase Hayden back after the Arkansas and uh, East Carolina transfer missed the, the Texas-San Antonio game. Uh, Reggie Love has showed some flashes early on. I think we're still kind of waiting for that maybe breakout performance. From the St. Louis native, Chikari Norwood, again, shown flashes at times. Joshua McCray, true freshman, guy that signed with Illinois back in February, he ran the ball pretty well against Texas San Antonio. So they've got options, they just don't have that that lead featured back at the, at the moment right now. I feel like of all of their options, Chase Brown is probably that, mm-hmm. but I mean, he has been healthy mm-hmm. for two games, and we'll see how how available he is because I mean, if you remember back to last Saturday he was dressed for the game until he wasn't I'm just glad he was dressed that's yeah good. I think there were some people on Twitter making jokes about naked football because <laughs> like Illinois now gives out like a, a these players are dressed list mm-hmm. and that's just a weird way to put it like in uniform I think would probably be yeah. at um, least they give the information yeah, it'd be quicker, I think, to give us a shorter secret. list of the players that aren't dressed. That's true. 
But I they mean, want to make you work for it, Scott. Yeah, to go down both the roster and this list of players that are dressed for the game and compare the two. Um, I mean, who am I to argue for more efficiency? But he wasn't dressed by the time the game started. And the same thing with Brandon Peters. They pulled the old switcheroo. Brandon was in full uniform for mm-hmm. warm-ups, though he did not participate at all. So kind of gave away the secret there. Um, so we'll be curious to kind of see what happens this this Saturday with um, Brandon Peters still a, a game-time decision on whether he'll be available at all. Um, but Art's the man right now. Um, and his off-season transfer and acquisition by Illinois, uh, I'm not sure they thought they'd have to use him so much right away, but I think they're probably thankful that they that they did get him from Rutgers. Well, if you're if Sikowski doesn't doesn't transfer in, then who knows what the quarterback situation's like for Saturday? Because by the time he transferred in, Isaiah Williams had already switched positions. Now maybe he could have gone back to quarterback, possibly. Uh, I mean, I talked with him one day this week. I don't remember which one. Tuesday. Tuesday. And he says he's comfortable running mm-hmm. the offense. Yeah. Feels like he knows it, so he could. Um, right now, the depth chart reads Peter Sikowski, Northern Michigan transfer Ryan Johnson, Matt Robinson, who's sort of the, the lost man in all of this. Matt Robinson st- is still here, guys. I mean, played a lot um, in early in his Illinois career. Doesn't maybe fit the profile that Brett Bielma and Tony Peterson are looking for because uh, if you want to know what that is, it's Brandon Peterson, Arsikowski, 6'5", 225, 230, yeah. more pocket passer. Well, I'm still waiting, and I think this Saturday would be the perfect time, maybe on the first play of the game, say Illinois gets the ball first. A lot of people are still kind of waking up, getting adjusted to 10 a.m. start time at all, or they're still watching game day going on, which is weird because college game day will be gone. By the time the second quarter rolls around, college game day should still be going on on ESPN. It's again just weird. It's, you see this obviously morning kickoffs when you know teams play international games, and maybe if Illinois Nebraska played in Dublin, maybe folks have gotten used to like an eight a.m. kickoff here in Champaign. I'm still waiting. I think it's the perfect time. First play of the game, Isaiah Williams, like throw him a double, do a double reverse or something, have him throw a pass to to do span or to line up. Line up Brandon Peters and Deuce Span and Isaiah Williams and Art Tukowski out on the field. Four quarterbacks. <laughs> Bronco men and all just... just Who's going to throw it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although, I mean, Virginia's probably a team that w- could see that many quarterbacks on the field. That's <laughs> like, true. They're <laughs> you see this every day. Because they have, I think what Bronco Mendenhall calls football players, <laughs> um, which, you know, I think everybody, every team has that. But in, in Virginia's case, his quote-unquote football players are essentially... Yeah, you know, former quarterbacks mm-hmm. that you know will run um, what used to be maybe known as like wildcat. But they've got a guy though, what Brandon Armstrong. Yeah, he's like their actual yeah. quarterback. Threw for three thirty nine, a couple touchdowns against William and Mary again. R- ran for a couple touchdowns as well. Again, William and Mary FCS program, but still. Uh, before we dive more into Virginia and hear all about Scott's elaborate twenty four hour stop in Charlottesville this upcoming weekend. Uh, what the heck happened last Saturday night, Scott? Why is Illinois not 2-0 and going into Virginia with a ton of momentum, feeling good, all those positive vibes that people picked up in the hours and days after being Nebraska are suddenly no more after a 37-30 loss to Texas San Antonio? Well, let me add some multifaceted 
question. I've gotten, I've asked loaded answer. questions and multifaceted questions so yeah. far. Dude. I mean, nothing simple, and it, it really isn't. It's as simple as that, Scott. Thank you, love you, Smith. <laughs> um, no, it, I mean, there's a couple of reasons. Well, I mean, for one, the run game just never got going. We discussed that already, but it, defensively, I mean, that was the probably the biggest issue, and Illinois did a pretty good job against Sincere McCormick, UTSA's All-American running back, and you know he topped 100 yards, but took him a fair number of carries to get there. Uh, what they couldn't stop, though, was just all of, you know the quick hitters mm-hmm. in the UTSA passing game. You know Frank Harris got rid of the ball you know, immediately, like slants and bubble screens, and really just anything to get Zakari Franklin the ball and just let him go to work because he was uh, a problem for Illinois. Um, so. And that, that took advantage of Illinois' man coverage on the outside, and they didn't play a ton of press coverage, and that opened the door for those quick hitters and for those slants to be effective. And they just sort of stacked one after another. You know, couldn't get off the field on third down defensively. You know, at one point uh, in UTSA's first two scoring drives, they had really five third down conversions in a row which is not ideal. Um, now, the second half, I think, you know, they made a few adjustments, did play a little more press coverage uh, on the outsides with the cornerbacks. But by that point, you know, they were in catch-up mode offensively. And another issue was, you know, they get to the red zone or red zone adjacent in a couple instances and could go no further. And, you know, James McCourt, great game, hit three field goals, two of them from... 52 and 53 yards, the record set for most in a career for an Illini kicker. Um, but just like you don't want to see Blake Hayes on the field all that often, you don't want to see James McCourt on the field all that often because that means... Nice guys. Terrific guys. Uh, but just the nature of their position it means either your offense or your well, essentially your offense failed. The one guy... Again, nice guy as well, before I preface this by saying it, but the one guy you don't want to see that often besides James McCord and Blake Hayes is Ethan Table, the Illinois long snapper. Because that means he's... Well, I guess you do want to see him. You want to see, see him snap the ball from the three-yard line after Illinois scores a touchdown, I guess, is a better way of yeah. putting that. Really, I mean, the less Ethan Tabell's name is mentioned, <laughs> the better he's played. If you're a long snapper, you want to be anonymous, invisible. That's very true. Because the only time you're not is when the snap is going over somebody's head. All right, so I guess going back to the defensive struggles a little bit, is it on the is it on the defensive line? Is it on the the secondary to have better coverage? Is it on the the linebackers to help out more? Is it on Ryan Walters' scheme as a whole, which seemed to work pretty well against Nebraska and then UTSA? got almost 500 yards of total offense yeah i mean it's probably all of the above you know, the defensive front which you know includes the outside linebackers who are essentially just stand-up defensive ends um did not get as much pressure in the backfield as they did uh, in the nebraska game obviously the coverage issues were much more prevalent uh, against utsa so i mean it was not a great game all around for the illinois defense and yeah, I think part of that is, you know, they played a lot of, you know, their, 
essentially two four five nickel package. I mean, it's a four two five because Owen Carney and Isaiah Gay are like almost never going to drop into coverage, but yeah. they're standing up, so it's it's tough to call them <laughs> true defensive linemen. Um, did a lot of that against Nebraska, a little three four, um, and just the way that. UTSA approached things. They came out in a formation that, you know, made Illinois, you know, go to a different look. And, you know, it went, you know, 12 personnel with a couple tight ends at the beginning of the game. So Illinois went to a essentially traditional 4 3. And I'm not sure that's their strength. I think that because they looked pretty good, you know, in their other other schemes. I'm not sure how much of a role that played, but I mean, top to bottom, there was, I don't want to say you know, mistakes made, but just not enough plays made from all three levels of the defense. All right, this podcast is taking on a depressing turn, uh, so let's lighten it up with some, some good news. Last night on Brett Bielema's radio okay, show at, like, at Papa Dell's. I can't think of what could be good news. Ed Bond still gives two thumbs up to, to Papa Dell's uh, being the, the site for that. How many pieces of pizza did you put away last night, Ed? Half a pizza. All right, we got half a pizza. That's the in- that's information you can only get on Inside Atlanta football. Um, he announced last night, and I know he talked about it earlier today too. They put five former walk-ons now on scholarship. That's life-changing news for for five young adults. And uh, those guys are sh- junior linebacker Sean Coughlin, redshirt freshman tight end Tip Ryman, redshirt freshman linebacker Ryan Mead. Junior linebacker Isaac Darkangelo, and I apologize if I've butchered any of your last names. You got all those right. And then uh, last but not least, sophomore outside linebacker Bryce Barnes, pride of Gibson City Melvin Sibley. So we've seen Bielema do that in the past. We saw it in the spring, uh, and we've it's kind of the popular thing in, in college football too is all these video announcements. They didn't do a video announcement. People are already behooing that on social media. But anyway, still. Life-altering news for those five. Pretty cool moment, uh, I'm assuming, for not only those five individual players, but also their families and, and friends uh, to see come true. Yeah, and because, I mean, they're, they're, I don't think there's a timetable given on just how long these scholarships are for, but I mean, they just got a year at least paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a year less of... Yeah. Student loan payments you have to make later in life, kids. Yeah. <laughs> so the families, I'm sure, are maybe yeah. even more excited, but... You know, the five that you mentioned are you know, not household are, names. No, but guys, I'm not surprised were the, at the top of the list to get you know, mm-hmm. scholarship because you, know, you mentioned you know Tip Ryman, you know the tight end. He's number three on the depth chart behind Daniel Barker and Luke Ford. However, you want to arrange those two, one uh, A, one B. I won't say which one's which. Um, Bryce Barnes, I think, just for his willingness. Over the last like what three years to do whatever, do they whatever ask, you know. like, and he's got a strong beard game too. Yeah, like he should have been awarded a scholarship because he came to Illinois as a walk on under Lovey Smith as a tight end, and that did not last very long. And then played on special teams though as a true freshman. Yeah, became a defensive tackle and put on a substantial amount of weight. Mm-hmm. And then this spring, a new coaching staff. Like Bryce Barnes was like, and I think it was kind of, I mean, this would have been my thought from the moment he arrived, to put him at outside linebacker. A position he kind of thrived at in, in high school at, at GCMS. But it also entailed 
losing trimming down yeah uh, a pretty good amount but he's a good athlete he was a news gazette male athlete of the year in 2019 yeah so I mean, he's just, just from yeah you know, i talked with him before the season started and basically yeah, his whole thing is like he knows he's a walk-on knows whatever the coaches ask like he's willing to 100 percent do it and now he's got a scholarship so that's pretty cool yeah, it is a cool moment, uh, like I said, for all those guys and, and their families. All right, Virginia, Saturday, what's Illinois, Illinois have to do to win, Scott? What do they have to do to come back to Willard Airport on Saturday evening feeling good about themselves? Pretty much everything they didn't do against UTSA. So offensively, get the run game going. I guess you cross your fingers, Chase Brown is good to go because you know, Mike Epstein is the leading rusher for the team so far through two games and not going to play. That'd be bad if he was still the leading rusher after three games. Yeah, I, I'm not sure bad is a strong enough word to describe that. So, But, I mean, it just it needs to happen. So, that I means the offensive line has to be better. And don't be surprised to see Julian Pearl continue to get more snaps. And that might mean you know shifting Alan Spalczewski from right tackle to right guard. Because there's been sort of a... They haven't seemed to carousel of guards in the first two games, and by carousel I mean it's three guys for two spots. But Julian Pearl has played well enough and practiced well enough that you know he's going to keep getting snaps. And he had like seventeen gradable snaps against UTSA and had five knockdowns, and that's a pretty pretty good ratio. Um, but he's more, I think, more of a tackle than a guard. He can play guard, but mm-hmm. I think it makes more sense to shift Palchewski in. So, whatever they settle on, whoever, whatever five that is, they have to be better. Mm-hmm. And defensively, the Virginia offense is different than the UTSA offense, but they, they're very unique in the way that they use their quote-unquote football players, not to mention, you know, your quarterbacks and receivers <laughs> and a tailback here and there. Um, but it just has to be more sound. I mean, mm-hmm. Coverage has to be better. Have to get pressure on yeah. the quarterback. I think that's that was one big thing after the Nebraska takeaway. He had five sacks against Adrian Martinez and weren't able to get anywhere close to that number against UTSA. So yeah, I mean, just flip the script completely from one week to the next, and I think it gives Illinois a much better chance to leave Charlottesville with a win. How is uh? I know Scott, you've only been covering him about a month or so uh, and he's a veteran to the coaching world in college football how's Brett Bielma handling all the uh, did you sense any difference in him after the week zero win to after the week one loss to UTSA not a lot mm-hmm. I don't think I think that's probably a good thing I mean just like you know he doesn't want his team to sort of ride the wave of positives and negatives both directions i mean if you're head coach it's pretty steady i think he, that, he didn't throw any chairs flip over any tables i don't think there are flippable tables or chairs to throw like in the in the press room or the, yeah, the old yeah. squad room at the yeah they've stadium. uh it's gotten a makeover okay the the whole really all of you know the north end zone area it's Gotten some you know, new paint job. He hasn't gotten snippy at any questions Lauren Tate's asked him or anything? No, uh, okay. not Lauren Tate. Okay. Um, there was one question. It wasn't a great one. So I was like... You eh. didn't ask it, did you, Scott? No. Okay, good. No, I did not. But like, it was just a question that... And usually when you, know, you ask a question that Rebbe Elmo's 
either doesn't really want to answer or thinks is stupid, he'll he'll preface his answer with, you know, appreciate the question. Um, and he, maybe he does, but he just wouldn't even went past that for this one, but I don't necessarily blame him. Okay, fair enough. Um, but he's still doing okay. He's not ready to call off the season or anything like that. Well, I mean, they're only two games in, so. I know, but that's. It's going to be a quarter of the season, though, after Saturday, which seems crazy. Weird, crazy, yeah. Um, but they're still winnable games to be played. Maybe. Maybe Saturday is one of those. That leads me into my final question for you, Scott. And um, if anyone's looking for life advice on what they should do or any, you know, for predictions, forecasting, uh, Scott's email is srichie at newsgazette.com. Did I get it right? News-gazette. Yeah, news-gazette. Thank you. That's, yes. The hyphen's important. That's true. Um, For those that didn't see... He picked Illinois to beat Nebraska in the paper, and then he also picked UTSA to beat Illinois in the paper, and he almost got darn near the scores right in both those games. I think you had, what, 28-20 Illinois over Nebraska, and ended up being 30-22, and you had UTSA 35, Illinois 24, and it ended up being 37-30 UTSA. I've been pretty good through two weeks. Very modest about it, too. No, I Um, made sure to tweet (laughs) both of my picks. Uh, this past Sunday, just so, you know, people, I mean, if you want to know who to go to for this kind of stuff, <laughs> it's obviously me, because there's nothing, there's nothing lucky about it. I mean, I, this is based off pure knowledge, of uh, course. A heavy dose of sarcasm there. And what was your record last year in basketball games? Well, be a beat writer for, what, six years now? Well above 500. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's a maybe, safe answer for the number two team in the country, Scott. Maybe it wasn't perfect, <laughs> but I got most of them right. All right, so you're 2-0 and on your pick so far this season. Uh, I know it'll be in Saturday's paper, but to give our loyal listeners, hi, Mom, hi, Dad, hi, Robin, uh, what's your prediction for Saturday's game? Well, I think the 10-point line that currently exists. 10-point underdogs, Illinois is. Yeah, I'm not I'm yeah. pretty sure everyone. Okay, I'm just clarifying it out there for, you know. Virginia is a 10-point favorite at home. Ten and a half I've seen. Okay. Uh, but that I just checked before we started the podcast. It was 10 because I was, knew I'd have to make my pick. And I think that's fair. And I have Virginia winning 38-24. to 24. Okay. All right. I think that's that's all right. I know I made my prediction for that game in today's paper, and I know I picked Virginia to win, but I, for the love of me, can't remember what the score was. So I think I had. I mean, I read it. Thirty-one twenty. I want to say. I don't remember. There's either. fourteen Big Ten games this weekend, which is obviously the most they can they can have any sort of week. But there's a lot of games going on, so it all kind of blur. We run our Big Ten football page every Thursday in the paper, and, and that was in today's paper. I, like an idiot, I am make predictions on all the games. I went six and four the first week looking to do better this week so but yeah i got virginia winning too i think that's the at least right now that's the sound logical pick you can make it makes sense to me okay but you know college football can be kind of squirrely maybe illinois pulls the upset okay maybe i mean i obviously picked against that but yeah it'd be a, a statement win early on in the brett bielma era if that's able to 
to happen. And then if not, then you're looking at a, a two-game losing streak for Illinois before Big Ten play really gets going uh, next Friday night here in Champaign against Maryland. Yeah, against a, a frisky Maryland team. Yeah. They intrigue me. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. All right, well, Scott's got a plane to catch tomorrow. He's got a lot of writing to do before then. Have fun in Charlottesville, Scott. Ed Bond, have fun in Charlottesville as well on the broadcast crew. Listen in on DWS or WHMS if you're here in town. Follow along at AlignHQ.com or on Twitter, SR. What's your Twitter handle, Scott? You were you were going to get there. SRR, Richie? Yeah, there's okay. an extra R. There's an extra R in there. Games on the ACC Network. Also, for those listeners as well, programming note, we're going back to the Esquire on uh, on Monday night for Monday night sports talk. So it'll be our first appearance at the popular downtown Champaign establishment since March 9th, twenty twenty. Brad Dancer was our last guest in person at the Esquire before the world changed. Uh, I spoke to Brad actually this morning too. They've got a uh, a tennis tournament coming up here, a pro tournament coming up here in Champaign next week. And you read more. I'm going to write about that later. But anyway, I'm burying the lead. Uh, Josh Whitman. Illinois Athletic Director is going to stop by Monday night and join myself, Scott Ritchie, and Steve Kelly at the Esquire. For Monday Night Sports Talk, uh, show starts a little after 5. I think uh, Josh is going to come on around 5.15 or so. So if you're out and about, want to stop by and obviously see some decorated sports writers and sports media types, that's the first and foremost draw of it. Also, too, if you want to see the the headliner of the event and, and Josh Whitman and uh, get his thoughts on Illinois football and everything else that's going on with Illinois athletics, he will be there on Monday night at the Esquire. Any other programming notes I need to include before I go, Ed? Ed's giving me the no head nod, so we're good to go. Again, Scott, good luck. Or not good luck. Safe travels. I'll take good luck. Good luck as well. A lot of writing to do. Read all of his coverage in the News Gazette. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Inside Illini Football.